0: been in a series called culture that's so important because we want to understand like Moses taught us from the Psalm 91 that we need to number our days and understanding that our time is very brief on this earth and that we want him to establish we want God to establish the work of our hands so important it's an understanding of the brevity of life and that we have to make a difference so we asked you in the beginning We said, hey, look, we're going to put some slips of paper on the back of your seat that says culture questions, okay? And we wanted you to ask questions pertaining to culture and how we can affect culture positively. We don't want to live life inside of these four walls, okay? That's not the church. The church is a group of people that influences life and affects life outside of the building where you work, where you play, whatever you do in a given day. That's what we're meant to do. This is the end. On Sunday, we celebrate all that has happened throughout the week. Okay? This is the end for us. We celebrate how we connected with people, how we've loved on people, and how we've made a difference in culture. All right? That's very important for us. So, a lot of times, cur- uh, churches will shy away from tough questions, won't they? You know, I remember growing up and they talk about things like sex and they talk about things like alcoholism and talk about all kinds of stuff when I was a kid and we'd be like, oh, just, we're not going to talk about that right now. We're not going to talk about that. Well, when are we going to talk about it? Okay. And so often in the church, we don't talk about stuff. We sweep it under the rug. And then we get like five years down the road when your, your kid that was an adolescent is now a teenager and acting all wild. And you wonder, can you fix them? Derek, can they come to youth and you fix them for me? No, no, no. We got to talk earlier, ask questions earlier. Okay. So what we've attempted to do is ask you to ask us, and then what we want to do is answer these questions primarily, number one, from the Word of God, so important, but then also from experience, okay? So you'll see we have a panel of folks up here. Hi, folks. This is Dr. Dre. He leads men's ministry, prayer ministry here. He is the la de da de da brought Eminem out the basement, made him somebody special with himself. This is Dr. Dre. Uh, He's a chiropractor. That's why he's Dr. Dre. All right. Last name, Drezich. That's why. But he's going to be um, our moderator with on our panel discussion, and uh, he's the man, the myth, the legend, all in one. Jay Goods Incorporated, Jordan Goody, Jay Goody, Goody. Goody. Part of Pi Alpha Campus, ministry that is straight slaying it on the campus and loving on some students as they love on the Lord. So excited for that. Okay. Katie Sombrio. <laughs> Just angels fell and she led the course, okay? Uh, fell from the Lord. Grew up as an as a M.K., which is important. It's called a missionary's kid, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, But just has such a wealth of wisdom and life, uh, of of experience and an understanding of God, you know, that that we wanted to make sure. So you see, we also represent different aspects of life as well. Uh, Eric and I are old man River here, aren't we, buddy? (laughs) Up top, just kidding. But uh, we're not that old. But we, we represent different aspects of life that I think will really speak to these questions. So we're not going to belabor this. We're going to get into it. But again, uh, we're excited to, to answer questions this week and again next week as well. We're talking mainly about, and this is the key, I wanted to lay things out in a way that they make sense. Our, our key topics, religion, Christianity, the church is going to be the first segment of this, and then we're going to move to life um, with other cultures. It's very important. Uh, racism and race issues, and then sharing your faith. And then next week, what's going to take a lot of time, we're going to talk about sexuality, which is very important and uh, very touchy within our community and within the world. Uh, but we're not going to sweep it under the rug, as most churches do, and say, well, wait till you're 18 to talk about it. We'll talk about it now, okay? So, Dr. Dre, you ready? Yes. Man, throw it down, bro. All
1: right. Well, instead of sweeping things under the rug, we talk about hiding things in the attic, right? Ooh, so this... well played. Yeah. First question. Look at this guy. First question. Culture used to be built upon religion. <laughs> Now religion, religion seems to be tucked away in the attic. How, as a church, can we dust it off and reintroduce religion as a cultural foundation? Justin, can you answer that?
0: Uh, an oracle from the Lord. At first, you really think about dust it off and try it again. Man. Try it again. I'm just kidding. But what I want to really think about, you'll get that later, um, is the difference between religion and relationship. There's probably about three people that got that. At first, you Remember that now? Is it making sense? We think mainly about, <laughs> old man, we think mainly about religion um, and, and this understanding that religion is what Christianity is, okay? There, there's, there's, it's, it's, it's far deeper than that because we want to talk about relationship. You know, religions are religions. A lot of people think when they say, what religion are you? Are, are, you, are you Baptist? Are you, are you Assemblies of God, you know? Are you Methodist? And those are denominations within the Christian church, Okay. But we're talking about the key here is a basis of relationship versus religion. Because I can be religious, which I am about brushing my teeth. You know what I mean? About putting on deodorant, bless God. Okay? I'm religious about those things. Um, But I don't ever want uh, my relationship with the Lord to be considered as something religious. But I want it to be something considered to come out of relationship with him. To flow out of relationship. So like setting the groundwork in that way is uh, that that not using this, this term as something that blankets everything when it comes to Christianity, but also something that's so important that we understand the relationship factor. And that's, that's, that's the big biggest part. How do we dust it off? Becoming relational with people versus being cooped up in churches with four walls and never leaving them, okay? And being, being Christ in our workplaces. So,
1: Good, very good. All right, question number two. How do we as individuals and the church respond to individuals who think Christianity is oppressive, restrictive, exclusive, and intolerant? Jordan, can you answer to that?
2: Yes. Um. Is it is it no? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yes, um, you know, one thing about culture is, what culture does is it makes certain things possible and it makes certain things impossible. Meaning specifically, like if you go into, like the culture of a specific home may be that you can't walk around the house with shoes on because in that home, it's expected that you put your shoes at the front door when you walk in, and that's, that's the culture of the home. Within every place, city, there's multiple cultures there. Within the church, there's a culture, and there's certain things that are possible and certain things that are impossible. Just the very idea of a culture Communicates that certain things are okay and certain things aren't okay. And one thing about the question is basically that how to, people who think that the church is oppressive, restrictive, exclusive, intolerant. The gospel should never be oppressive or intolerant, but it will be restrictive and exclusive. Mm-hmm. Not, the goal is that we would be inclusive, but truth is exclusive in itself. So you can't, I may be able to welcome everyone but I can't agree with everything that you may be doing. Mm-hmm. That's just that's, that's the nature of any culture or any, any, any movement. That's, that's just the way that it is. And so when we can like agree upon that, then we can say, like, hold on, like, I don't want to be oppressive and I don't want to be intolerant, but I will do whatever I can to, to, though there are certain things about Christianity that we may not agree upon because you may not agree, agree with this, I can at least do everything I can to make sure that you feel included and invited, if that, if that makes any sense yeah.
1: at
0: all. Yeah. Yeah. Justin, you have anything to add? Yeah, when, uh, in first service, we're talking about this too, about uh, the restrictive part of it uh, specifically. Think about if you drove down the road that has a 25-mile-an-hour speed limit and you did not obey the law. What would happen if you were careening down High Street at 65 miles an hour, and there's crosswalks there that are meant... To, to be a place where you're able to pause for people to cross, okay? Um, if you're going 65 miles an hour, and sometimes you might feel like doing that up through campus because they never stop. You guys keep coming across, you know? <laughs> um, but why do we have restrictions? Why do we have frameworks? Why do we have rules? Would you want to serve an unruly God? Would you want to serve a God that's not consistent? And the thing is, Jesus made that point that I came to fulfill the law those first 10 that were so important versus all the other ones they added on down the road within the Jewish faith. It's those first 10 that are so important. Imagine, imagine what, the, and I've said this before, what the world would look like morally, okay? And this is the key, coming from the same moral basis. And that's, that's what's really hard when we're talking about anything when it comes to culture is is the the, the relative relativism and, and, and morality. And, and Timothy Keller talks about a little bit that you've got the, the spectrum where relativism's over here and legalism's over here, but dead center in the, the middle is gospel, which is good news, you know, which is truth, okay? So imagine if we didn't live within those confines and we lived with being relative to whatever, and it's like, well, what do you want the speed limit to be today? 65? I'm down with that. Let's do it. What would happen? What, what do you want to do when it pertains to marriage sleep with whatever you want, or to honor your husband and your wife, to be with one person. You see what I'm saying by this? If we didn't have a framework, why would you want to be in it? Why would you want to be a believer? What, What are you even believing in? Just anything that goes or a set of standards that are great that will help you down the road? So it's not oppressive. It's freeing. It's freeing. Christianity is actually more freeing than anything because we serve a God that allows us, yes, to make a choice, but also a God that has set a framework up in a way that will help everybody if we choose to come up under the same systematic understanding of how we should operate within our lives. Part of the problem of why it's relative, relative, relative morals. you know, With everything that goes out there, it's like whatever they feel versus being gospel-centric in this way.
1: Good, good, very good. Next question. Why does the church have a saying as to be a judgment-free zone, but it is known as the judgment zone? Katie, can you respond to this?
3: Um my first my first thought is that the world is really broken. Mm-hmm. And that means Christians too. What? <laughs> Surprise. There I know. People? I know. It's oh. crazy. Um and so you know, we have um we obviously have a standard that crisis you know, set for us, and so we are we are held to that standard, which is which is good, and we want to strive for that. Um but I think the reality that, you know, I mean, judge, peop, everybody judges, you know. Yeah. And Jordan talked about this in the first service. So it was really good. So if I missed something, you should jump in. Um, but he basically said, you know, um, everybody judges. Jesus actually didn't say not to judge. He said to make a right judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, look at yourself first, you check go. your heart. Check and then and then make a right judgment about, you know, whatever. So um, so I think we have to start, you know, with us. And, and the reality, too, that... Um, you know, we, we say the church, um, and I think we need to remember that that's that's us, you know, and um and so we need to make right judgments, you know. We need to we need to the only way that's gonna change is if is if we start changing. Mm-hmm. Um and so yeah, the world is broken and, and Christians make mistakes too. There needs to be grace in that. Um, but the Lord, um he will defend his own, there you go. and um, God's will is going to be done, regardless of how many people in the church mess up. The kingdom is still being built, yeah. um, and that is super encouraging to me. You know um, that that Jesus is not done, and uh, we don't have to be afraid. Oh gosh, you know um, what's going to happen? You know yeah. the Lord. The Lord is is victorious, whether we we do everything right or not. We should strive to do things well, yeah. right? But um, but Jesus is going to be victorious anyways. So. Um,
1: Very good, very good. All right, moving on to uh, life with other cultures. Why do people find other cultures as odd or wrong, and how can we embrace other people's cultures? And Justin, I think, I mean, you see a number of cultures being a pastor of a church and being involved, and here in the city, I know you walk the streets and you see people and and you interact with them, you have people calling you. How would you respond to that?
0: Yeah, I feel like, and and when I put down an answer, just... Working through it myself. I think part of our problem is that when we don't understand others, our temptation is to draw back further. However, our response should be that of running to them to seek and understand them more. And so often we get afraid of those that are different than us, whether it be skin color, whether it be, you know, anything. We we just get we don't know what to do. You know, I remember growing up, Podunk Culpepper County, you know, Virginia, we had, you know, white, African American, Latino, like that was basically the the extent, but it was very few ethnicities, I mean and even very few folks within those those minorities and, and things like that. So when I went to Valley Forge Christian College, it was like, oh you know, everybody was there, you know. I was like, this is great, you know, and I looked at it as an opportunity, as an opportunity to understand where are you from? Tell me what it's like to be Puerto Rican, you know, and then you knew right away. They told you everything, you know what I mean by that? And, and, and what, what is it like to grow up in, in, in a Korean church? Tell me what it's like. You know, it's, it's the art of, of question asking and the art of, of learning to, to listen to folks. I think that's so important. You know, I've, I've been so convicted, and I think this might be kind of looking at the third question there, is that the Lord really convicted a little bit about genuinely caring. Yeah. Um, it's Rick. part of it. Um, is something that the Lord really convicted me about in the last last uh, couple weeks, really, is learning to listen. And listening happens after you learn to ask the right questions. you know. And Noah really solidified that last week for us as well, where it's a thing of like, what kind of questions do you ask people? Do you ask them questions that are yes or no? Answers, or do you ask them, you know, like, well, where did you come from? What was it like there? Tell me your best memory of being there. Tell me your, your least favorite memory. What's it like, you know, kind of things like that. And I think it's just like being genuine in this way with people and learning to listen. And God convicted me because number one, learning to listen to him better, which means Justin, shut up. You know, learning to listen to Kara better when she says, you need to do this right now. Meaning, asking her, how are you doing today? What's going on in your life? And then listening. Versus being so quick to talk. So asking more, listening more kind of thing. So I think it's just important in listening to what God says. It's, when we learn to listen to folks, you learn to understand uh, their cultures more. And They won't be odd or wrong. They're just different, and that's fine because you're different. Think about it. You're different to other people. Some of you are really different to other people, especially when I look at myself, right? <laughs> I'm really different than others, okay? So, yeah, I think it's important to look at it that way. Yeah. Katie, do you have anything to add?
3: Yeah, I think um you know we we have a an infinite god and we look at the world we see that infinite god's image mm-hmm. revealed in an infinite number of ways which is you, you know? And everybody mm-hmm. in the world has images stamped on each of us and so um what's really cool is that um for example my sweet friend Jessica's here when she first got to say she's from Rwanda and um I love yeah that hair. I uh mm-hmm. I uh, I remember when we first met, you know, kind of thinking like, okay, you know, I've been around a lot of cultures growing up, but, but this is new. I'm not from Rwanda, so what is this going to be like, you know? But it was so funny, you know, on, on a base level, um, she's human. And, I mean, let me tell you, you make this girl some brownies and she will... <laughs> Eat brownies. I mean, like we both love brownies, right? She loves chocolate. Pretty much any food we can and always chuckles. eat together. Mm-hmm. And chuckles. Yes. Um, but yeah, you know. So there, 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 are human things that we connect on, and so nobody's like that, like different from you. You know, like we still struggle with the same stuff. People still go through breakups and heartache, and like all of these things. So on a human level. There, there's still a lot, you know, like people aren't as different from you as you think. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on a spiritual level, you know, I looked at Jessica and I could see, you know, um, when I met her that she was she was genuine, she's super creative, you know, she's so kind and thoughtful. And those are pieces of God's image stamped mm-hmm. on her. That's good. You know, and she lives, you know, grew up halfway across the world. I could find God's image stamped on her. And so I think when we, when we we're approaching other cultures, you um, it's like a treasure hunt, you know. We're like looking for the fingerprints of Jesus in every That's person, good. and how can I, you know, speak life into that? How can I um, encourage that and, and meet them there? And so there's there's always going to be something that you can relate to somebody on. So don't don't let this idea of like, oh my gosh, they grew up and you know, and both I don't know somewhere across the world, and we don't want to have anything in common. That's really not true. In both yeah. of those levels, human and and kind of this. Um, more you know, a spirit level, um, we can connect to anybody. So, so be treasure hunters, look for that. That's
1: good. Very good. Yes, Jordan.
2: And um, just to, to go along with, with all of that, that, that was really good. And, and Luke 14, mm. 34 and 35, Jesus is talking about salt. And he says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is, it is fit neither for soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. And basically, um, mm. the way that, one of the ways that salt was used back then was that it was used to stop bad things from growing, and it was used also to fertilize, to help good things to continue going on. And that's basically what Katie and Justin are saying. Like it, that's what Jesus calls us to. He doesn't necessarily call us to destroy the cultures around us, like, to go and, like if we go and evangelize to a, a, a yeah. nation that we're supposed to change their entire culture. No, no, no. We're just supposed to lift up what's already great about them mm-hmm. and, to, and to, like Katie said, bring attention to, to how that reveals the heart of God, what, how yeah. he has made them unique. And then the negative things, we just, we just don't necessarily bring
1: attention to that.
2: And, and, and we, we lift up what's good, though, mm-hmm. if, that, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think that goes on to answer, like, or even touch on the next question. is like, how do you—how— are we to approach someone of another culture with the purpose of telling them that an action of theirs is offensive to our culture? How would you respond to that, Jordan?
2: I would, um, I would be honest with them. Uh, Romans 12:9 9 says, uh, love is sincere. And so I would just be honest and say, hey, this was offensive to me. Um, I, would, I would ask that this wouldn't be done again. Or I would even go even further. Actually, rewind that, I would actually ask them why they did it. And then just to go along with what's been said, like to ask them questions. Some people don't even realize what they're doing and sometimes people they do something but they did it totally intending it to be good. Like (laughs) in in my marriage there are many things that I have done with the best intentions that ended with tears and how could you do that? And I was like, man that was a compliment. Uh, I will... uh, (laughs) Uh, I, I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> and so, like, That's yeah, awesome. like, because, like because we're finite, we love many times, but it's not received the right way because we don't have perfect knowledge yeah. as well as perfect conduct. And mm-hmm. so those two things keep us from being able to love people as well as we'd hoped. So sometimes people do things that hurt you that wasn't intended <laughs> to be hurtful. And then sometimes people do stuff and they, they have no idea what they're doing. So yeah. ask them why. Hey, this... This kind of hurt a little bit. Why did you do that? What was the reason for that? What were you intending? Questions, mm-hmm. asking people questions, it cha- it just changes everything. Noah yeah. was so right on with that yeah. last mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And I think um, on the flip side of that, just being really aware. Um, I heard someone talk the other day, and he said, you know, um, we are living in a in a culture of, of offense, like the spirit of offense is like over our culture that mm-hmm. everybody is constantly offended by everything. And so definitely speak the truth in love. We always want to be, like, truthful and sincere and honest, like Jordan was saying. But also be just, just really careful. It's just kind of like a word of, of a warning to us as the church and as the body to not carry a spirit of offense wherever we go, you know, that we're looking for, oh, this person hurt me and they said something. You know, like some things can just be let go. You know, we have, we have tough skin, but we have soft hearts. That's good. Tough skin, but soft hearts. And so... Yeah. Um, we are, we are going to be persecuted, you know, like things are going to be done against us and people of another culture, not necessarily even from another country, but even just someone yeah. that is very different from you, you know, students, you walk around campus, you see people are really different from you, mm-hmm. you know, and so are you going to be offended by that? Or are you going to be like, okay, Jesus, you know, yeah. um, what did Jesus do? You know, he, um, he was constantly attacked and people were saying things against him and his mission and everything that he was about, yeah. but he never... He never said anything. You know, he just asked questions. He loved them. He was sincere. And he spoke the truth, but he, he didn't carry the spirit of offense. So just kind of a word of, of like, encouragement. I think, I think as a church we need to, like, really remember that, mm-hmm. be on purpose about that.
0: Yeah, Jesus was the best at the, at the art of asking questions because he knew that when somebody realized the answer within themselves, mm-hmm. which was from God's spirit, they were like, oh. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. This yeah. is the, the greatest revelatory thing in my life ever. And Jesus was like, before they knew it, he was gone talking to somebody else. You know, and it, it's just that, that art of asking questions. Is, it's, it's a dying art <clears throat> because we're super saturated with our own dialogue. You know, and it may be just us talking if we're not careful. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah, and I think also people aren't, they're not asking questions. They're shouting at you, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. what we hear outside. Yeah. People are constantly shouting at you rather than asking questions, yeah. being sincere.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: So then that, that gets lost. That art of asking questions is being lost.
0: And conversation.
1: In conversation. The art of conversation. Yeah. 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 Good. The the third question, uh, and we've already touched on, I think Katie, you talked about it, is, you know, having that soft, loving heart. It's how should I respond and genuinely care about social social issues as a Christian and, you know, follow up, How, what are practical ways to love my neighbor? I mean, we're just doing it, living out through God, right? Having that soft heart, asking those questions, you know, being engaged, yeah. right? Do
0: you have anything to add, Justin? or uh, didn't, Jordan, didn't you have something about the neighbor aspect, loving your neighbor? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I want you yeah. to hit that, bro. Hit it up. Uh,
2: <clears throat> yeah, so basically, um, earlier we talked about, you know, what are practical ways to love my neighbor. And in Luke 10, there's the story of the Good Samaritan You know, a teacher of the law comes up to Jesus and asks a question about Christianity or asks a question about um, the commandments and which one's the best. And Mm -hmm. Jesus asks him, you know, to, to answer the question. And he's like, oh, yeah, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus, and then he wants to justify and beautiful. And he says, okay, well, who is my neighbor? And then there's this elaborate and beautiful parable about the good Samaritan and how there was this man who was beaten up and robbed and left for dead, and then how the priest and the Nazarite, the Pharisee and the Nazarite, two very holy and extremely respected people in Israel at the time, how they totally walk on the other side of the street to avoid him, and then how it's a Samaritan who comes and binds up his wounds and puts him in a place to stay and and then makes sure that he's taken care of afterwards. And the whole emphasis, yes, the Samaritan did find his need and meet it, which is, that's, that's I mean, that's, that's ways that we love people. We go, and what's the need that they have, and how can I meet it? Yeah. Some people, sometimes it's words. Sometimes it's specific actions. Sometimes it's time. There's different ways that we can love each and every person around us. But the emphasis of the parable is not so much the what you do as much as who it was. That's the highlight. It was a Samaritan, and the, basically the for us, it's kind of lost in translation because it's like, oh, okay, so just a Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews, for, it's basically Jesus gave them the person that they, they looked upon as the least of all human beings. Yeah. And that was, that was what it was for them. And so if I put it in, for me today, it's, you know, it'd be a neo-Nazi mm-hmm. for me today. That would be the person where I would be. I, there's no reason to understand them. There's no reason to listen to them. There's no reason to try to find any of their needs. They don't have any needs, because what I do is I basically make, I remove sin from, I remove race from being a sin issue, and I'm kind of touching on to another thing yeah, right now. that's good. Um, but race is race is about sin, and so the moment that I let it become something other than sin, and I stop to see this as a human being, now for for all of us is like there's different people that we struggle with when it comes to who is <coughs> my neighbor. For some of us, it may be somebody a part of Black Lives Matters, or maybe one of the, the athletes who are kneeling for a mm-hmm. protest in the NFL or maybe it's President Trump, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe it's you know, former President Barack Obama. Like, it's just whoever you look upon or a child molester or that person who abused you. Mm-hmm. But all of us have to look at, like, okay... Who are the people that I think of as the least, and how can I go and pursue them, create dialogue, treat them as a human being, treat them as like they have sin in their lives and it needs to be dealt with, and then just remove all the, law, uh, all the, all the walls and the preconceived notions and just try to approach this person as best as possible mm. and still ask them questions. Why do you believe this? Why do you do what you do? What inspires you? Who, who's somebody who loved you? And just, like, still pursue the person there. So, finding needs to meet, finding, love finds a need and meets it, but also specifically going to find the needs and meeting them of the people that we think the least of, yeah. and the people that we struggle the most with.
1: Yeah. And, and you're right, you did touch on the next question, it's like, how does the church actively participate in reconciling, looking at racism or racial issues, and it's just by being engaged, right? Yeah. Asking questions and getting, looking at it as a sin, Yeah, right?
2: It's yeah it's it's still superiority it's ethnocentrism, ethnocentrism yeah. where basically you are saying that my culture or my race needs to be superior to another culture or to another race mm-hmm. and it's just, it's just in the simplest words pride you want to feel you want to make yourself feel better yeah. by making sure that someone else around you feels worse and it's as sim- it's as simple as that and so when we can say it is that mm-hmm. then we can it can stop being like just this big thing and now I can just approach you as a person.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just speaking to the racial reconciliation aspect and how the church can actively participate, um, I think you'd be living under a rock to think that racism doesn't still exist in the U.S. Okay? And um, it's a major, major issue. Um, there's, There's many big issues that are happening when it comes to uh, even sex slavery in America, we're talking about a new slavery, newer if you know what I mean, compared to, to racism, especially towards African American and the slavery that was experienced then. And um, I feel like this is a, a major, major problem that we can't, we can't even get through as a people to even focus on other slaveries. are you with me on this, Jordan? You picking up on putting down? Like the enemy is so good at letting us camp on issues that are legitimate, mind you. Don't sweep it under the rug like it doesn't exist. It exists, okay? Um, Legitimate issues that we can't get through, and even deeper in some ways currently, okay, historically right now, meaning in time, issues are happening that we can't address, okay? You know, the Super Bowl comes to town, and child slavery, sex slavery comes to town as well. I don't know if you guys know this stuff or if you're living under the rock too, but there's people that don't know anything about this, that every time a major sporting event happens, they're shipping in women, girls, boys, doesn't matter to these hotels, and they rent out whole hotels for the sex slave industry. You know what I mean by this? Like this stuff is legit all the way across the board, but how how do we do this when it comes to the racial reconciliation, if we could just work together finally, years later, but it's this this understanding. It's tempting to think that reconciliation is a pie-in-the-sky, multiracial kumbaya sing-along in which people of all colors croon together in perfect harmony. That would make it a fabulous Broadway number, but that's not racial reconciliation. It's come from Relevant Magazine. Thankfully, reconciliation is much more profound and beautiful. And the Greek reconciliation is catalasso, which literally means to change or exchange, to effect a change. The word catalasso is often used by the Apostle Paul to describe the restoration that can occur after two groups have been at odds. Romans 5, 1 through 11 is the context of that. Through this process of reconciliation, two groups that were once alienated from each other begin to identify with each other and stand in solidarity. So how, how do we begin to participate? And that's the question. We have to embrace our racial identity. Guess what? If you look in the mirror and you see a white person, you're white. Did you know that? You're like, yes, when I try to dance, it's clearly evident. <laughs> if you look in the mirror and you, you, you see an Asian American, an Asian, if you see an African American, if you see, that's who you are. If you see an African, that's who you are. Like, be okay with you. Be okay with your race. And, 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 and that's part of it. What does it mean for me to be white, black, Asian, or Hispanic? What is my racial heritage and history? What is my racial culture and how is it expressed? What are the common experiences of my race? What does society say about my race? That's true stuff. What does God say? Which one do I believe? What does it mean for me to genuinely express my racial identity? How does God want uh, to use my white, black, Asian, and or Hispanic identity to reconcile people to each other? Okay, we're not meant to ignore these things. That's the key. Don't ignore this. Look, I would love, Jordan, it's like you and I can go anywhere together, and we're brothers. You know, you're African-American. I'm white. I don't see that. <laughs> now, you still do. We've talked about this because how they see it, right? You know what I mean? You're always having to, for some reason, look over your shoulder. You're always having to feel that stress and that pressure. That's legit. That's my brother, and we talk about this stuff, but... You've got to understand, if you're white, even if you were born with the wooden spoon in your mouth, they're still privileged with color. They're still privileged with ethnic- this ethnicity. And it's not, it's not like you did something wrong to be white. So be okay with being white. It's not like you did something wrong to be African-American. It's the way God made you, and that's okay. But what we can do to reconcile is to be in relationship and show, to be the example of what racial reconciliation looks like. Where if anybody messes with Jordan, Katie, your biracial children, they will get it. They will get it from this boy real quick, real quick. So I'm just telling you, if you mess with them, you're going down for real. But the (laughs) thing is this, what do you do? You got to love your brother so much that you'll take a bullet for him. If someone was messing with him because he's African-American public, it's going down. It's going down for real because I don't play that junk. And we won't play that junk as a church. You know what I'm saying? I have some deep conversations with folks that that are not like me in color, ethnicity, race, whatever. And it perturbs the crap out of me because of what I grew up into. Racism went both ways in Culpeper. And it hurt my heart so bad to see and experience it. But I make it better. I'm going to be a change agent. I'm not going to be changed by those that want to suppress even me in this way against my brother. It's not going to be that way. So you start it with you. You know what I mean? Don't sweep it under the rug like it doesn't exist. You know, we we, we don't want to watch the news because it does suck, doesn't it? It's terrible. Everywhere you turn, it's crap. I get it. There's the part of it that's the fraction of truth. We look at that aspect. That's what we grow to understand. And then we go out and start talking to one another and loving on each other. That's the beginning of racial reconciliation. You choosing not to see color or ethnicity or background. You choosing to see a child of God there. Right? Right? And then you fighting for them, too. That's what we do, so not with them. Sorry, I got on that, that one. He was, likes to talk. That was burning, bro. Yeah. <laughs> that one was burning, because Jordan and I have a lot of conversations about these things. That's He's good. my brother. Yeah.
1: Uh, moving on to sharing your faith, and I'm going to skip to the second question. It says, uh, how do we appropriately handle those who are evangelizing in public and warping the Word of God? And I think uh, Katie had a Katie good response in the first, the first service.
3: Hopefully I can remember what I said. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Um...
0: You were amazing. Live up to it. <laughs> you no, went I'm back, scared. The basis was going back to the Word of God. Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah um, I think, first off, we always honor. Yep. Um, always honor. We never put anybody down. Um, it's not what we do. It's not what Jesus did. Um, and I think we, we want to have... Um, there's a difference between a, a critical mind and a critical spirit. All right, so a critical spirit is looking for what's bad. It's looking for the negative. It's looking for the exit sign. You know, how can I get out of this? You know, how can I, like, like bring this down or whatever? A critical mind says, I want to find truth. I want to find what's good. You know, I want, I want to find Jesus. You know, we we have, you know, we see that when you approach the Bible. We want to have a critical mind. We approach the Bible, not a critical mm-hmm. spirit. You know, all these things. When you see someone, you know, whether it's, um, you know, students have seen this a few times, you know, a, a street preacher that comes on campus and is preaching, um, or maybe you've gone to a church and they said some things that weren't really, you know, uh, maybe that wasn't like really correct or whatever. Um, we always want to have a critical mind, you know, that we are looking for what's good and what's true because all truth is God's truth. That's true. All truth is. If it's true, really true, then it's god's it belongs good. to god so um so if it's you know if it's mixed in there with some untruth, then we need to have a critical mind to find what's true and good and always honor always honor um, and and so and I think the way that we do that, how do we know what's true is is
0: the Bible Shem-o.
3: this thing um, God gave us gave us scripture and that's that's our standard and so um you know, when we have questions about what's true, um, when you take it to Scripture, there's actually a story in Acts um, of, um, they're called the Bereans, if you've ever heard this story. And Paul came to them, you know, with the gospel, and he was teaching, you know, from the Scriptures and all that. And it says that they, they took, you know, what they were hearing, and they went to the Scriptures, and they looked, you know, to see if it matched up. Not out of a critical spirit, but out of a critical mind, we want to find what's true, you know. So we always take the things that we hear and we take it to the Bible. See, what does Jesus have to say about this? Um, and I think, like, lastly, just a, a cool thing that um, I don't know I'm, I'm thinking specifically about. Like, sometimes yeah, I've encountered a lot of like street preachers, you know, that will come onto onto campus and you know, like, rile people up and stuff. And first thing I'll say is. Um, just because you feel uncomfortable doesn't necessarily mean it's not true so always listen listen with that critical mind right um, before you you make a wrong judgment um, because yeah it may not be in the way that you like to hear truth but it may be true all the same so so just mm-hmm. be aware that you may just your, your uncomfort doesn't mean you know that's not true mm-hmm. but Also, um, if it isn't really true or there's some things that are like, that that wasn't very scriptural or whatever, use that as um, a catalyst for conversation. I've had some amazing conversation with students simply because of someone that came through, you know, and was speaking at a church or whatever. You know, I mean, you could talk with your family driving home from a a church service. You know, we're like, okay, like, so he said this. What do you think about that? You know, do you think that that matches with what, what Jesus said? Okay, well, why? You know, like, like use that as a, as a catalyst for conversation. Just redirect. You don't have to worry about what they said or who they are. You don't need to bash them. We don't need to get into that. That's, that's not who we are as a church. Um, so honor, and then, and then use that to, to have good conversations. Um, so sometimes those scenes can be really really pretty cool because it, it shows us, okay, this isn't true, so what is true? Yeah. And, um, and we search for that. That's
0: good.
1: All right. For the sake of time, I'm going to skip forward again uh, to the... Lo- the fourth, questions, the fourth question, it says, I meet a lot of people who say they don't like Christians. How should I respond without like, disrespecting that person or dissing them and the church and disrespecting the church?
0: Those are coupled together because how can I show lost people that truth matters even when they're so disinterested in anything that isn't instantly satisfying? You, you spoke. You said truth. Okay. So mm-hmm. truth is truth, number one. But also, as you sit, and this has been the—if you didn't catch it, this has been the gist of the conversation today. It's an understanding that I meet a lot of people who say they don't like Christians. Well, ask them why. People don't just say things for the most part for nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They always say there's a little bit of truth to every joke. You ever heard that before? You know what I mean? Like, you're so stupid. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm just kidding. It covers the multitude of sin. You know, it's like, no. Why are you mad? I'll tell you why. I was mad at the church, meaning the people. Remember what Katie was talking about? Mm-hmm. We talked about the bride of Christ being the church earlier, the first service. And it's, um, you know, I, I was really hurt by them too. Well, why for you though? Because what what happens in the conversation, you know, a lot of people will share about their, their conversion experience, and they talk about their before and their after, but they spend 75 minutes on their before stories. And I was so drunk every day, but then Jesus saved me. It was great. <laughs> you know, and they talked about being drunk and how many keg parties and all this for 25 minutes, and it's like, but he saved me, and it was great. Why? Asking why. The art of asking why, and then listening, and then listening, and then listening, because they're going to tell you who hurt them and what they did. And then you'll be able to then listen to that and say, well, you know, I, I experienced something similar to that. Or you can say, I, have, I don't understand remotely. Don't, don't patronize somebody and act like you know what they're going through because you don't sometimes. Be honest. I say, I have no idea what you feel, but can I walk with you beyond this point? You know, it's that idea that you just do life. They've got a reason why they hate the church because somebody messed it up for them. So you fix it for them. If you're the church... It's not me on Sunday that's the church. It's you every day because we celebrate the end of the week with this. It's you, what you do at work, at school, at home, and all that stuff too. So, yeah, try not to disrespect the church too bad yourself because you really could do the same thing. Express your healing that you've received by the Lord concerning the church and becoming the church, but also just being honest and listening is so, so key and being truthful.
1: Yeah, very good. Uh, that's the last question, really. You know, there's uh, the only thing to wrap it up is like, how can I show lost people that truth matters even when they're so disinterested in anything that isn't instantly satisfying? Yeah. Yeah. Jordan. Jordan. He's Jordan. A, yeah, I he's ready. That. Got a word. The,
2: um, no, it's to, it really just goes along with what you just said, Justin. Um, Jesus said, uh, let your light so shine so that men may see your goat works and glorify your mm-hmm. Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. And you know, everything that I do, um, especially when people know that I'm a Christian, everything that I do, mm-hmm. they're watching. And, you know, Paul talks about how our lives are on display yeah. as mm-hmm. believers. And everything that I do is making it easier or harder for someone to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah. And that's, that's like the practical side of this, um, along with asking questions and being intentional and asking them why. But also how I respond at work to the people who gossip about me, yeah. Someone was telling me an awful story yesterday about like racism that they literally experienced at work in a way where I was like I can't believe that this went on openly yeah. amongst your coworkers and your boss and that was okay. Like there would be if there were if that was other places there would be lawsuits and and that that, that business would be shut down.
0: Yeah.
2: But in certain places that, that they got away with that. Mm-hmm. But how that person responds changes everything. Yeah. You know they call that person a holy roller, and this person is like, okay, can I can respond in anger? I can respond in con, like re, return like for like,
3: yeah.
2: or I can respond in love, and I can be patient, and I could love them, and I could ask them questions, and I can engage on, engage them. I could not give up on them. Yeah. I could not, I could continually refuse to give them what they deserve, and by doing things like that, we make it easier for people to be like, okay, maybe I will give. Jesus another chance maybe the bad example that I have in my mind of a Christian maybe that's not everyone maybe that's not even what Christianity is maybe maybe there's more to this and so we make it easier for people to be believers and at times we can make it harder too and so it's our responsibility it's my responsibility to make sure that all throughout the day I am building a bridge for someone to Jesus by the way that I respond that's good
3: Um, I was just going to say one last thing. Um, In 1 Peter 3, I think it's, yeah, 14, it says, um, actually 15. In your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. Always be prepared to give an answer, and I think... In the same way that we ask good questions, we need to be prepared to give an answer to those when the, when the questions start turning mm-hmm. and they start asking us. And the way you're going to be prepared is by spending time with Jesus. Yeah. And um, and honestly, like all of these things, you know, how do we be a light? How do we, you know, all of this stuff, like we, we've we said what the church needs to be. The way to be that is to get close to Christ. It's to get close to Christ. And the way you're going to do that is is through a devotional life. It's getting in scripture. It's spending time with Jesus not just once a week at church, but every day you're not going to look like Jesus unless you spend time with him. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, really all this comes down to looking like Jesus, yeah. you know, and acting like him in the culture that we live. Um, and the only way we're going to do that is is when we press in to, yeah. to Jesus. You know, you start spending time with somebody. If I spent time with Justin every day, I'm going to probably start Saying jokes like him, you know, and things like that, and you know, I mean, I start maybe sure talking like him. That? We might start dressing like I don't know. That be happen. awesome. We could test look good it. See. in those see?
0: boots, like Peter Pan boots. Right? Well, yeah. I'd look great. I need to be one of those speakers. <laughs> um, maybe. Skinny jeans and Peter Pan boots. I'm not doing it. I'm not do that it. guy. <laughs> Um, I will still wear my button-downs.
3: Yes. Go ahead. But yes, so, but the more time we spend together, right, the more, the more we start to look like the people we spend time with. Um, and so the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we're going to start looking like him. And that, that really is the simple answer, you know, to all of these questions, I feel like, um, is, is just looking like Jesus. You need to be with Jesus to look like him. And so be prepared to have an answer.
0: What makes you different then? Yeah. If you look and act just like the rest of the culture then you're no different than culture Mm -hmm. you're a part of that culture you know and and christianity unfortunately sadly is a subculture versus one who influences culture completely and that happened over the last hundred years so it's been a downward slope as to christianity's influence for the positive so Mm -hmm. thank you guys can you give them some love